0: It's been said that there are no atheists in foxholes. When the bombs start falling, everybody prays. While that may not be strictly accurate, it is true that hard times often reveal who we really are, what we really value. We've seen this phenomenon at work with COVID-19. What has the pandemic taught you about where your priorities lie, about where your security really is? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. It's fantastic to have you with us this week for another episode of Signs Radio. On Skype with me is Mark Hadley, who's written a great article in this month's Science of the Times magazine, the, the August edition. <laughs> it turns out quite optimistically titled After the War Is Over, looking at COVID and the aftermath and what we've learnt, but it does seem awfully optimistic right now, doesn't it, Mark? Or it August does over? No, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> no, but I think actually the way the article's pitched, it's probably still going to be relevant when the war finally is over. But yeah, I would, I think uh, it's a good indication of just how unprepared we were, both you know nationally and I guess mentally, uh, over the fact that the we all thought it was going to be over in a few months' time, or or maybe it might go as far as as August, and now we're talking about things that might stretch well into the new year. yeah Yeah, indeed
0: it's it's crazy i mean i I know when you first pitched this article and i thought oh mark really like yeah everyone's writing stuff about covid but but you know we we prepare our articles you know a number of months in advance of when they appear and i thought by the time this appears you know this is going to be a a distant memory no one's going to be talking about covid anymore (laughs) it's completely the opposite (laughs) now it's like what do you mean it's over so yeah but it looks really fascinating article mark because you you focused very much on the the personal experience the family experience and and looked at the the psychology the the spirituality you know so the relationship aspects of how we've all been impacted by this coronavirus pandemic and i guess you know a lot of us were thrown back you know on our own devices and sort of stuck there at home you know looking at our Family members, and this was very much your experience. But you you, you suggest that it, obviously it was a struggle. But you you say in your article that inside your little house there were definitely changes for the better. Please explain.
1: I think a lot of people will be feeling this that there were things that happened that weren't all that bad. Mm. And I guess the the first one was the pressure to be somewhere, to do certain things, and to have everything ready on time, suddenly relaxed. So... What parent didn't suddenly realize that they had an extra hour in the morning just because they didn't have to take the kids to school? Now, we're not Mm -hmm. talking about the stresses associated with teaching kids at home, but at the same time, you started to realize that there were more hours in the day. And one of the things that actually um, makes me smile when I think about COVID, and it's an unusual sentence to put together, but one of the things that makes me smile is my boys learned to ride bikes now, we have been pushing this as a family for years. Mm, you know, mm. I, I can't – I'm ashamed to tell you how many, you know, Christmases and birthdays involved bikes where kids just eventually grew out of them, without hardly moving them out of the shed at all. But then during COVID, they were riding them around. They were learning to ride. Uh, two of my boys couldn't even ride at all. Mm. And they in a few days, they learned how to ride. And then going to the park suddenly became this regular thing. And so, in some respects, the dream of the sort of middle-class domestic life, you know, people walking around in the glow of an afternoon sunlight and kids playing and, and you know, just fun things like that, like mm, walking gre- dog. Gre-
0: Greeting your neighbors With, and yeah, pat, which, pat, patting the, the dog Yeah, walkers, saying dogs. Hello.
1: Yeah, just because because you have neighbours doesn't mean you ever talk to them. And so suddenly we were all, I guess, social and we were sharing – in fact, we were sharing very similar stresses. And right from the mundane, where are you buying toilet paper – to you know, really quite specific, you know, what's happening with work for you and and what about your parents uh, and what's the vulnerability, you know, that you're feeling. So we really did have a whole lot of community come out of COVID and that, that is one very positive thing. Obviously, has to be weighed against the fact that, I, I want to admit, my experience was a very middle-class experience. Mm. For some people, you know, it was very isolating. For some people in a, a single-person household, I've, you know, they found themselves to be really quite isolated, so we were calling friends at that level. And and if we go back into lockdown again, they'll be feeling exactly the same way. My elderly parents were isolated on the South Coast, firstly, because they were advised they shouldn't leave the home, mm. secondly, because they live a couple of hours away from any of their children, and thirdly, because they're of a certain age, uh, they just have no idea how to operate anything electronic. Mm. So the fact that we actually provided them with an iPad, I guess, meant nothing. In the end, we were trying over the phone to try and get them to use it you know so there's a a lot of isolation that was going on at the same time
0: yeah so so i guess as you say the the impact was very uneven and i guess if you look you know internationally Mm. australia up to this point i'd have to say i wouldn't want to be in melbourne right now but but up to this point australia has been you know we've we've been fairly gently treated by the by the coronavirus it has something to do a lot to do i think with our government and their you know their leadership they shut down borders you know we've got job keeper job you know these sort of programs put into place to sort of cushion the blow so for for, for a lot of us it's, yes it's been a change but it hasn't you know sort of been disaster maybe in some industries, but you know, like you say, if if you are a a family, you you have a job that you didn't lose, maybe you already worked from home a little bit, your your relationships in that family were relatively positive to start off with rather than fractious, then yeah, you find yourself using the sentence that you you say that you and your wife did, you know, let's play this game, you know, I don't want COVID to end because, you know, and you came up Mm. with all all sorts of reasons why you were actually enjoying it, which seems perverse, but I get it. Yeah,
1: yeah, not the least of which is I didn't have to answer telemarketing calls. But at the (laughs) same time, I was reminded, even as I was, you know, thinking to myself, gosh, there's so much time now. And and I'm not bothered by these 4pm calls and the 9am calls and the midday calls, you know, on your publicly listed number, I was remembering that those call centres were probably being closed down in, in India and other places for very sad reasons. Mm. But but I want to push back on something, Kent, because in some respects, Australia has been, you know, very blessed. You know, there's not much that we've actually had to complain about. Mm. But on the other end, there's there's whole fault lines that have been revealed in our society that I think actually we are being tragically affected in, in, in a more of an emotional, you know, psychological and spiritual way mm. that we never expected would come on us. Let me give you one illustration. There's a, you know, I'm sure most people are quite used to the term now Zoom fatigue, oh, the yeah. idea that all of that communication via screen was actually, even though we had lots of opportunities to communicate with friends, you know, we did social catch-ups, and many people did church services and Bible study groups. There were craft clubs. I was doing exercise sessions with friends over <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> but Love at it. The, But at the end, yeah, I know, but at the end, we were always isolated. And mm-hmm. I remember there's a, always a little sad feeling that comes when you disconnect from a, a Zoom call because you suddenly realize you were just in a room. You know, Mm -hmm. just in a room on your own. Or on the other hand, Mark, that experience when
0: you know someone says, "Hey, let's meet up. We'll do it on Zoom." Your your heart sort of sinks a little bit because you think, "Oh, this Mm -hmm. is the thing I do work meetings with. This is the thing I do church meetings with. This is the way I catch up with my relatives." That really, I'm looking at that same
1: screen again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm locked in this room and I'm not really going anywhere. And in fact, actually, I mentioned this in the article, but. Cyber psychologists, you know, have been looking at the effect that the pandemic is having on people via because of their dependence on video calls and things like that. Mm. And people are actually getting quite stressed and anxious because we have the sense that we have a relationship, but we don't actually have contact. For a start, there's so much communication that's lost. Just when you're looking at somebody, you don't have any of the visual cues. You don't have that sort of three-dimensional feel or their presence. Mm. And so even though your brain is telling you, I'm communicating with somebody, your psyche is not actually receiving the benefit. So we've got that, that dichotomy, that tension that's setting up inside our brains, and it's causing stress, and it's causing exhaustion. I mean, who hasn't actually spent half an hour talking to a great friend on Zoom and then coming away feeling not enlivened? but exhausted by the process of actually talking to them. Mm. And that virtual distance, you know, has meaningfully affected us as people. And that's only one small illustration of the, of the negative effects. I mean, the, one of the more disturbing ones is the dramatic increase in the number of Australians who are drinking by yeah. virtue of, yeah. uh, of what's going on, the stress. So we're coping by self medicating. 20% of Australians purchase more alcohol, and 70% of them are drinking more alcohol daily than they would yeah, expect to do, with one third now moving to daily with their alcohol as mm-hmm. if they, uh, you know, as, as a habit that might have been weekend or, or casual or social. People are now sort of numbing themselves a little to the isolation, and you have a dramatic rise in the fear for the future that people are feeling. So 44% yeah. of Australians, according to an Omnipol, 44% of Australians feel afraid for the future, with 47% feeling helpless. Now, let that sink in, even though… Our country is, as you say, financially better off in the world. About half of our population are terrified about what's going to happen in the future and are feeling helpless to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that is a, a dramatic change in a nation that often had its percentages of optimism way up there internationally, and now we're actually feeling anything but. The, the she'll be right attitude of Australians is being crushed you know, by, by basically the, the pandemic. Mm. And it's happening slowly and silently, and it's happening at a at a home level that is very, very hard to notice. But I'll tell you this, one of the bellwethers, one of the canaries in the coal mine you'll want to watch, is that even though we've been allowed to come back into the public sphere in some respects, notice how many people are not doing it. Mm. You know, they've, they've moved into a lockdown mentality rather than just a, physical lockdown they're finding it hard to reconnect after this sort of experience and it's going to get deeper because now we have the fear of the second wave and the third wave which is basically telling us psychologically this may never end yeah and even if it does even if it does what's the next one COVID-19 to be replaced by COVID-20 or COVID-21 um, we're living in a whole new world. What I like in it too, and I think it's worth thinking about this, is 9/11. Yeah. when 911 took place i you know you and i are old enough i'll say i'm older than you so you don't have to <laughs> out yourself but you and i are old enough to remember life before 911 and what it was like to travel and it was a lot looser now all we take for granted all of the metal detection the the screenings the drug dogs and such mm. and the limitations of things that we can take on planes as though that is normal now covid is going to release a similar effect in society. Yeah. We're never going back to a point where we don't wash our hands. Mm. You know, we may not go back to a point where people feel awkward about physically embracing. You know, I've got friends. I'm a hugger, okay, mm. so I like to hug. But now I don't do it in public, and I now only do it with close family uh, because I'm afraid of what people might think or, or, or fear by virtue of me doing that. And what it, that sort of subtle you know, below-the-surface change in our psyche and our behaviour is likely to persist, and with that comes a lot, a great deal of anxiety. And mm-hmm. that, to me, is something we really should be aware of or we won't combat it. You yeah, never yeah. you never deal with the problems you don't see.
0: Mm. You, you used the word fault lines earlier, Mark, and it really, I guess, you know, triggered for me this sort of moral fault line, I guess you could call it, this sense that when... Humans face tough times like this. It has a way of producing... Perhaps the extremes of behaviour. In in some ways, we've seen incredible selflessness. You know, people saying, "Hey, remember your elderly relatives. Remember those people who live alone." And there's been you know phone calls and support and food packages dropped off at people's you know front porches and and fundraising efforts and, and all this sort of stuff, which has been really beautiful. You know, we've we've seen some real consideration. And you say that in your article, you know, we've learnt to be considerate of our neighbours. We've learnt to to queue up patiently and keep our distance and you know hold back on that impulse to hug or to shake hands or you know out of consideration for others but on the other hand we this is the other side of this fault line is the selfishness we've seen you know we we saw the uh, and i guess the 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 peak sort of panic evidence that symptom of this was you know panic buying you know people rushing into shops and picking up staples and massive stacks of toilet paper that's you know they're going to be <laughs> going through till 2022 probably <laughs> <laughs> and you know b- because yeah. of this this sense of insecurity and and, and in that rush, in that panic buying moment, there's no thought for, is there enough for everyone? There's no thought for how is this going to impact on, on my neighbor? It's all just me, me, me. You, you see what I mean? See the, the moral sort of fault line that, that opened up there?
1: Yeah, I do. And you're talking about the personal fault lines. I mm-hmm. mean, we all walk through the, the aisles of the shopping center, saw the two packets of pasta on the shelf, and ask, you know, asked yourself, shall I leave one for somebody else or my limit allows me to to buy two? Shouldn't I take them? Mm. And you know, you you face those personal moral dilemmas every time you go into a situation like this. But there are national, you know, issues, national moral fault lines that we're gonna come into. I mean, think about this. At this point in time. No one is talking about migration or well, the issues associated with helping other countries who are, that are struggling.
0: With the exception of Hong Kong, strangely enough, I mean, the, this Hong Kong thing blew up, and the thing that, it sort of saddened me a, a little bit, because what we saw was an incredibly opportunistic response, where, where we saw our, our Prime Minister and, and our federal government saying, hey, here's an opportunity to get a whole bunch of very wealthy, very accomplished business people into Australia, let's make a fast track for these people, and and I understand, you know, Hong Kong's, you know, democracy quotient has taken a, a huge hit. It's it's awful what, what's happening there. But when you compare it, with, I mean, hey, there's awful stuff happening everywhere. There are people who are incredibly needy. And do we really need to roll out the red carpet for, for Hong Kongers in particular? I, I don't know. That just seemed awfully self-serving to me because I think you're right. Apart from that... There's, you know, just the thought of letting overseas people into our country has been anathema. No, we're closing ranks. We're closing borders. It's all about us right now.
1: Yeah, that's the the idea that we actually have to – Australia is crushing the curve, mm. but people are forgetting the fact that crushing the curve means basically, in some respects, doing some very – unknowingly things. So even, yes, as you say, uh, Hong Kong makes the point just as easily mm. that um, though we're, we're not talking about anybody who's on Christmas Island at the moment. Mm. We're talking about people who are actually uh, going to be of a benefit to us. And if you're not a benefit, we don't want to hear from you. I, I think at a national level, there's been a very sad increase in racism, particularly towards Chinese people, mm-hmm. because there's a sense of fault. Yeah, yeah the Chinese virus, which
0: is a, a less often now, it seems, because it is a global phenomenon now, but there are still some people who are still holding
1: on to that. But yeah, go, go on. Yes, and I agree that there is that sort of infection, if you like, in terms of our character. And so there's a suspicion that's going to be held over China for a long time to come. Is that you know worthy of us? Should we be doing something like that? I also feel in terms of the way that we work, the long-term Changes. Now, people will say, isn't this great? We can have more home time. I was talking to a real estate property manager recently, and he was telling me that many large companies are now seeing the financial advantage of moving everybody back home, thereby which they don't have to support them in an HR way terribly. They don't have to provide equipment for them. They can even move them off permanent part time employment onto working contracts because now their hours are much more negotiable. Mm -hmm. And now this is just a very cynical way of, of profiting off COVID 19. Yeah, so yeah. The, the truth is, all of those stories about our, the, you know, the deepness and richness of our experience and our hearts for our neighbors were very early on experiences. Now people are thinking very seriously about their job prospects, and they're thinking very, very seriously about if you're in business for yourself, how they're going to sustain the, the, you know, a healthy bottom line in a business, and some people are going one step further and actually looking about how they're going to profit from the situation. Mm there is a very cynical part of us that is actually soul deep. And I've mentioned this on the show before, and I know you're of the same mind, that there is a problem in our heart, which we'd refer to in religious circles as sin, but let's call it another fault line, where in which we are always going to be biased towards ourselves. And so we're only going to find more fellowship, if we like, or more relationship in this crisis if we start to value others above ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if we just value ourselves we are going to operate in smaller and smaller circles. We're not going to have that sense of neighborliness if it comes down to a choice between you or me. Mm. And that's a very sad position to be in.
2: Thousands of subscribers enjoy receiving Signs of the Times magazine in their letterbox each month. But that's not the only way Signs magazine is distributed. Around Australia and New Zealand, various not-for-profit groups are making signs available to their communities absolutely free. We're talking local food pantry charities, campgrounds, op shops and other places where communities are connecting. If you believe in Signs of the Times and the messages of Bible truth, good health and the hope for the future it contains, why not partner with us? A regular donation of just $20 a month translates to more than 130 magazines per year in the hands of new readers. You can either give more or you can give less. It's up to you. To donate to Signs of the Times community connection projects, visit signsofthetimes.org.au and click the donate button. That's signsofthetimes.org.au And now, back to this week's episode of Signs Radio with Kent Kingston. Mark, you, you
0: quote Jesus Christ in your article. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How and and you sort of link this back to this whole sort of COVID-19 situation we're we're facing. How how does that connect?
1: Well I mean the thing is if your life is built on you having enough toilet paper and enough of everything, you know, that you need to keep things going physically. If that is actually going to be your focus, then that's your treasure and your your life, your heart is going to follow that treasure. It's going to seek after it. I mean, if we know where a treasure is, we go and we try and get it. Mm. And the truth is that if our needs are just focused around ourselves, then we're going to find ourselves just pursuing selfish gain. If, however, you actually have a larger picture, and I would say a healthier heart for one that's actually big enough to see it to embrace others, to put others before yourself, to see the bigger picture that in fact actually we're living in a world which is passing away, and we've got to actually look for an investment in one that's not. If our treasure is beyond this world, then we're not going to worry if we lose advantage or in fact if we lose opportunity or or even the last roll of toilet paper on a t- supermarket shelf because our goal is not actually to store up something here i guess society's meanness emerged during this pandemic because it, our hearts resided in the ordinary and and in the the day to day and basically in that which was passing away mm-hmm. but if you believe in something far more permanent then we're going to owe it to the ones who are around us to guarantee their success and their growth. And we're going to be seeing that that we're not really in any danger of losing anything if what we have is secure with Jesus. That's mm-hmm. how I see it.
0: Yeah it's it, it's a a challenge what what you're saying I think Mark because I think all of us you know whether we consider ourselves a, a believer or, or not a believer will often look at our behavior we'll look often look at our lifestyle and and ask ourselves you know the hard question and when it really comes down to it when, when the when the chips are down when the you know when things get tough, what are my real priorities? What is my treasure? What do I actually you know stake my my life on? Do, do you have any mm. tips uh, as to how people, whether they're a believer, whether they're a not believer, not a believer, might be able to begin to make that transition to take those first few steps to actually change you know where their treasure is?
1: Well, I think the first thing that you've got to know is. What your treasure is, and you've got to be honest about this. Mm. And I've got a nifty little way to help you. When you go to sleep at night, what's the last thing you're thinking of? Mm-hmm. You know, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You know, when you daydream, what do you daydream about? And these are your treasures. You know, if it's if it's getting on, if you're the first thing you wake up in the morning and the only thing you're working, thinking about is work and the anxieties you have associated with work. Well, lo and behold, it's not a great treasure, but work is what it is. And if you lay awake at night and the last thing you're thinking of is your bank account or your bills, or for that matter, how you're just going to have a great holiday or hoping to have this or that, then you've actually put your treasure in things that are really ephemeral. They're going to pass away very, very quickly. And if you daydream just about well, being on good relationships with somebody or, or, or just, uh, again, you know, having that thing that you don't actually have at the moment. Well, again, it's not a very secure treasure. I mean, to this day, I'm looking around at things I, I saved up a lot of money for and thought they'd be fantastic. In some respects, they were little treasures for me, but they really don't change my life much. Now I realize that I actually need to invest in things that are far more lasting Now, Mm. I make no apology for this. As a Christian, I'm going to say to you that if you are going to build your life on this world, well, history and science alone will tell you that anything you pick is going to fade. It's going to pass away. It's called Mm. the law of entropy, and it is basically just going to run down. If, however, you can put your heart on something that is external to this world, that lasts longer than this world, if you can find your way through to that, then you're truly secure. You can lose everything and still be secure. And so Jesus says, you know, that if you actually want to be secure – Come to him. You know, if, in fact, you actually seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, God knows exactly what to do with all the other things you're worried about. He can take care of those. In fact, another way Jesus puts it, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, you Mm -hmm. know, and who hasn't felt that over the last six months? And he says, I will give you rest. Take, you know, my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. You'll find it's actually much lighter than you expected, and you'll find rest for your souls. And to me, that is really what the pandemic has brought about. It's actually revealed how restless our souls are. When all is said and done, it's nice to have a walk in the park. It's nice to see the kids riding bikes. If I can't put my head down at night and be at peace, then I have a restless soul. And the only way I can see for actually getting a resting soul is to rest it in somebody else and not myself.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's very thought-provoking, Mark. And I guess, you know, th- this whole pandemic has really, I mean, I think it, for a lot of us, it has highlighted the fact that a lot of the things that we've put our security in, you know, that we our emotional security that we've relied on, are actually not that reliable. You know, that, that overseas holiday we've been saving up for, well, guess what? suddenly we can't go overseas. You you know what I mean? The job, you know, that we got our identity and our status out of, you know, it may be threatened. All kinds of people have lost their jobs. It's a a real, uh, it it is a real challenge that that you've given us to look deeper than that, you know, and not only look deeper, but look higher because there is something transcendent. There is something beyond. There has to be something beyond that is going to, He's going to stand the test that he's going to go the distance and yeah you've you've pointed us to our, our creator God and to answer to Jesus so yeah I certainly do recommend uh, that our readers you know find a New Testament in a modern translation in the language of your heart and uh, read those those stories of Jesus life the the Gospels of Matthew Mark Luke and John and many many millions of people around the world have found that the the man who is presented there has transformed their lives. Hey, thanks so much, Mark. I really mm. appreciate the, the time that you've given us this week. Always happy to be. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.
1: This is an Adventist Media podcast.